Hello and welcome to Winner Take All. We have a special guest appearance, guest interview today. We have Kristen Sevilla, the CEO of Jour. Uh, Kristen, so excited to have you with us. Thanks for joining. Alex, thanks for having me. Jour was just in our, actually our number two in our top 50 B2B marketplace ranking. Congratulations. Uh, we've loved tracking the story and the progress that Jour has made, and it's quite tremendous. Just, just particularly over the past few years uh, with you at the helm of, of this very exciting company. So congratulations. Thank you. We're really excited to be part of this. And thank you for taking the time to come speak with me as well. We'd love to hear a little bit of your background. You came from XO Group. And then, you know, what brought you to Jure and, and what does Jure do? Sure, sure. I was the president at XO Group, which is parent company to The Knot. And um, what, what my job was there was that the digital transformation of the wedding planning process. So planning your wedding, turning it into a digital and eventually marketplace experience, making it easy for brides or couples to connect with the vendors that they do business with. Um, I was approached by the board of directors of JOR kind of during my tenure there. And I was so excited by the opportunity because first of all, I came from the retail space. I was a buyer at Macy's, Macy's executive training program, truly a merchant at heart. And when I heard what Jor was trying to do, I just was really amazed and I wish I had had it. So essentially what Jor is doing is that we have digitized the wholesale buying and selling process. So that process of getting on an airplane and flying to a trade show or, or going to a showroom multiple times a year, um, Jor did two things. First, and initially, we were a mobile first company and we enabled you to bring iPads with you. So sort of that first step towards digitization was really about in the showroom or at the trade show, the ability to be digital when you made your item selections. What we then became, or I'd always been trying to um, teach the audience was really about fully being digital. And unfortunately or fortunately, it took a global pandemic to really have this part of our business kick in, which was the virtual showroom and true marketplace experience. So essentially we are digitizing that process, taking a process that predominantly was done offline. And I think what's really important to understand is this is the moment of intent in the wholesale world where you're making a decision of what to carry in your stores or on your website. And the fact that most folks had been leaving that to paper line sheets and Excel spreadsheets is a little scary. And that's what your has changed. We've turned it into a platform experience. Love it. And, and, and by the way, I mean, this is, this is no small company, um, at least from your, the last press release or the last announcement I have was basically from a year ago, December of, of 21, where you were saying you'd over 60% growth, which was bringing you to over one and a half billion dollars in GMV. Each um, month. <laughs> each month, <laughs> right. Each yeah, month. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Each so, month. Is that the latest stat? Uh, a little bit bigger now. So we actually have, um, we're going to do 20 billion in GMV this year, wholesale GMV, by the way, not retail. Retail is obviously a lot larger. Um, we have 400,000 retailers and 13,900 brands interacting on the platform. That's amazing. Um, also, you know, capitalization wise, your last fundraise was a little under $50 million. And that was um, 
you know, at, 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 a, at a really strong raise in the, what, low 400s of, of valuation. And that was summer of 21, right? So Correct. right when you were just saying how you had the, the pandemic to really give you a huge boost to use all the technology and the tools that you'd been investing in long before then. Correct. And so, you know, really well capitalized as well, right? Correct. Very well capitalized. It's just such a powerful positioning. I mean, I guess it's kind of funny. I mean, what do you... It's it's kind of like who are you competing against? Because in in a lot of other, if if, if we look at that that top fifty B two B marketplace report, right? Like a lot of those other B two B marketplaces are mostly in direct competition with incumbent B two B distributors. But when you think about who your incumbents were. It, I mean, it didn't. There didn't seem like there was a bunch of existing distributors, right? It was, or, or was it more that behavior change, right? It was well, a who, behavior who change. I think some folks would say we compete with trade shows, but we don't agree with that. We actually help trade shows. So, George's positioning is that the approach to the industry really should be hybrid. You know, just like you as a shopper on the consumer side, don't just devote yourself to going to stores. So don't just shop online. You do it all. You do both, <laughs> whatever is convenient for you in that moment or has the best uh, assortment or helps you in that moment. We feel the same way about B2B in that, you know, go to that trade show because trade shows do still make sense, but, but also the ability to do it on, online if you can't attend that show or if you need more time than the three or four days a trade show has to do that shopping. So we aren't really competing with any digital player. And again, we've been really firm in saying we're not competing with the physical either, we're enhancing it. So for example, we launched a product called Your Passport during the pandemic with the sole purpose of helping our trade show partners. We ended up hosting 60 trade shows um, we transacted over a million dollars in the first couple of weeks, actually, um, with those trade show events. And all of those trade shows have resigned with us because they understand that digital is an extension of the physical. And when they stop seeing us as competitors is when the businesses really got good for both of us. So today, whether you take our iPad to a trade show or you can't attend, but you're shopping that trade show from a distance, that trade still, still still gets credited with bringing together that connection. And in that case, you're the facilitator. You're really just helping to kind of enable um, a, a lot of these traditional um, existing forums to connect and, and, and have them be a part of your ecosystem, which makes a lot of sense. And the interesting positioning is also, if you look at your brands, whereas other let's say other marketplace models in your space, right? You have a lot of very premium brands. I mean, you have, you have a whole spectrum of brands, but you have a lot of premium brands as well. I mean, it's in, it's in clothing and textiles, but it's also in other categories, right? That seems, that also seems somewhat unique in terms of the, I guess the cachet that, that Jure has with its, um, what did you say over, over 9,000 brands? Actually, over 13,900 brands. <laughs> yep. Um, what's interesting about Jura is we started in the hardest category, which is luxury. So we started at the top and worked our way down. We didn't work our way all the way down, and that's intentional. Because when you think about our audience, which we describe as discerning brands, brands who care about who's around them and very much care about their distribution, is who fits in Jura. So if you're a brand who doesn't care about your distribution, Jura might not be for you, to be frank. 
um, because we really do vet both sides of our audience. So the brands that join us, um, we make sure are uh, established for the most part or up and coming, but have a good cachet to them, as you mentioned. On the retailer side, we do vet our retail audience. So we have, you know, 400,000 retailers who we know will shop discerning brands. And we are, unlike others out there, a connections-based system. So both parties need to accept each other to do business. Because when you think about what we're showing at Jor, it's generally private information, especially for these discerning brands, which is their wholesale pricing and their wholesale assortments. And we're showing those assortments six months early. So six months before they're gonna hit someone's selling floor. So you can't just allow anybody into your showroom. And we needed to really replicate that exact type of experience digitally. So connections based is the way we did it, where we do vet both sides, but ultimately the brand says, yes, I want to allow this small business or this large retailer into my showroom to see my uh, products. It's kind of like a what, what we would call more of a closed marketplace model, right? It's not as kind of just open kind of race to the bottom pricing competition, which is what you, you tend to equate with marketplace classically, right? But it's kind of like you're enabling both sides to connect. You're giving them kind of all the seamless buying experience and other tools, which we're going to get to in a second that you would expect to come from a nice digital experience, procurement experience, but also still preserving the the more one-on-one connections and relationships between supplier and buyer. Is is that how you view it? Yeah, it's definitely a relationship business. And you can still make new connections on Joel. We do, we're going to do about 400,000 new connections this year. But it's a situation where the brand trusts Joel to have vetted those retailers and you know does their own review of the retailer's profile and accepts them. So we do still drive and make new connections, but it's in a more controlled way. It's kind of like open door, right? Saying, hey, here's technology, run your restaurant business, you know, and then and then they're able to bring um it bring you new uh, diners and and then you know they they might have uh, a different monetization model for for the demand that the platform is bringing to the restaurant um as opposed to you know the existing relationships that you know p- people are just you know already calling up and and booking a table is that a similar mapping to how you guys are thinking about structuring those different channels of value we're probably going to be headed in that direction right now our monetization is sort of that's included you can meet new people on the network but as we further develop our marketplace um, capabilities um, definitely we'll be looking at models like that that make a lot of sense I mean I just I just love scrolling through your website I mean you like look at this uh, you know for for the brands uh, the 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 website that you will provide to brands and all the technology that you've put around these virtual showrooms and all these things. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. I think what's distinctive about Jor is that Marketplace is only one segment of our business, which you were alluding to. We started out actually on what I'll call the enablement tools side of the business, which I will stand here and argue having built both. In many ways, it's harder. 
It involves being integrated with, in our industry, 100 ERP systems because nobody really owns the ERP space on the brand side. And 100 just gets us 90% of the market. So you can imagine the work you need to do there, um, which is a whole other problem for another day. But Yeah, I see that. A hundred ER. I mean, that is no small feat. That is, I do not envy your engineers. That is, uh, (laughs) that is not easy to do. It's not easy to do. And it's one of our secret sauces is that we've already done it and we're consistently keeping up with it. And, you know, the changes that everybody makes, we have to keep up with, with the different APIs. So it's definitely a feat to itself, which is why I think I found that to be harder than the marketplace side. So what we did with that was we built enablement tools. So all the tools you need to digitally do wholesale business. So the example, of course, starts with the virtual showroom, the ability to show all of your items digitally to any retailer that you give permission to, to shop that showroom. But we also have order management tools, some tools people don't even realize we have. One of our most popular is called Cancel Replace. In the fashion industry in particular, styles get dropped. You show a certain amount of styles six months in advance, and you actually look for the popularity of those styles based on retailer feedback. And then some of the styles you just decide not to make, but then you have a few retailers that have ordered those styles, and how do you notify them? Without your, you're on the phone an awful lot or sending an awful lot of emails trying to rescue the business or salvage the dollars for something else. With Jor, you're literally pushing a button that goes to the buyer that says, hi, Alex, we've dropped the white sweater, but we recommend this version of a white sweater that we are making, accept or deny. (laughs) So we really salvage on average $1,800 per style dropped just by using this one feature of our platform. So, you know, again, what's different of Jor is that you meet on the marketplace and that's great. But our relationship doesn't end there. It actually starts there. You then take that relationship out of the marketplace, but still within Jura's ecosystem to do business together. So unlike most marketplaces where you're able to sort of track usually that first transaction, maybe some repeat business, but not always because they break the network, they break out of the marketplace. Um, That doesn't happen at Jura. Hence the reason why there's $20 billion of GMV going through. We capture that whole wholesale buying and selling experience. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It's it's a trend we actually see somewhat broadly in the, in the in the overall ranking is is this theme of kind of SaaS to marketplace where yeah, you you were able to solve these challenges with technology for one or possibly both sides of the market, but just just by providing a, a great tool and software and, and capability, right, to solve their problem. And then marketplace came after. And we're seeing that in more and more places, I feel like across the spectrum of B2B, which is a pretty interesting dynamic and, and a difficult shift, right? So it's interesting you're saying, yeah, I mean, getting getting those SaaS products and relationships and that value prop really nailed was maybe harder? Is that what you were saying? I found it harder and it just built this stickiness. It just took us a long time. George's been around for 13 years and we spent most of our years building up that enablement, we call it, the, the relationship, the integrations and getting them to utilize our tools in a really, at a really high engagement. The marketplace came later and because we already had two engaged audiences, it was a lot easier. Whereas if you're starting from scratch on just a marketplace, just the expense alone in getting 
the connections made, right? We haven't had to really do that because we sort of did it earlier in a different way. From an, an investor's thesis on Jure, if you can pull that together, that kind of SaaS and marketplace model together, that's kind of the holy grail. You know, we see marketplace companies in the ranking that then are, are, are launching SaaS businesses for exactly the same reasons, right? They're trying to increase that stickiness they're trying to, you know, solve more needs uh, than than just say the demand that they're bringing to their suppliers, um, and and trying to more holistically solve the the needs of either their their producers or their consumers or both. Right, right, exactly what Jor's philosophy has been, um, and it's why we continue to expand and we call ourselves an ecosystem, not just a platform, because we're always looking to bring in. Um, new functionality that we know our audience needs to really complete that wholesale buying or selling process. And I think that goes to, you know, the other thing I want to touch on, which is uh, Jewer Pay. This was a, a, a big new product announcement, which is uh, still pretty recent. You know, what, what did that, what does that entail? What, what, how did that all come about? Yeah, very excited about JoraPay. JoraPay was on my mind five years ago, believe it or not, or over five years ago when I joined Jora because I felt that the other thing to disrupt, we already disrupted this buying and selling process that was offline Excel spreadsheets. But when you look at how this industry pays, they literally are offline. No one really has systems. They're on the phone. Give me your credit card. They're breaking all sorts of rules with PCI compliance or lack thereof and, and trying to get you know, items charged and shipped. Um, so I was passionate about figuring out how to embed payments onto JOR and do this for them in a simpler way that enabled them to get paid more quickly, which at the end of the day is what brands needed. But the problem was, when you really look at the B2B space, it's much more nascent. Everyone's doing the buy now, pay later on the consumer side. And we actually initially approached all the people you could think of right now who are very successful on consumer buy now, pay later, and couldn't get anybody to help us because our average transaction is $5,000. So telling me you're going to give my client $100 over three months was not going to help. And we ended up doing a trial with one person, but it wasn't really a B2B uh, company, it was Stripe, um, which gave us sort of a hint and a taste of, hey, there's something here. But we quickly realized after about a year of um, learning that it wasn't gonna be the solution and that actually we were gonna have to build the darn thing because nobody was really doing it the way we needed to. So on September 13th of this year, we launched Jor Pay after a three month beta period, a very successful beta period. JorPay does what the industry needs, not only in difficult times, whatever we're calling these times, near recession or whatever we're calling this, but really coming from my buying background, it helps the industry all the time. Because the conundrum that you need to solve is, I'm a brand and I want you to pay me immediately. On the other side, I'm a retailer and I don't want to pay you until I get the goods on my selling store and sell them. <laughs> So JorPay solves this in a couple of ways. First and foremost, embedded payments. Everything's in the platform, including invoicing. We also have an external link that you can put into any invoice like you'd expect, and you can run everything through a singular platform, which is JorPay. Built in our typical functionality like follow-up messaging and you know, get easier collections because it's all embedded. PCI compliance, so credit cards are held and retained on the platform. 
But the second thing that we do that's super exciting is that we're offering net 60 terms. This is at no cost to the retailer. And there is a cost to the brand, but, not, but much less than factoring would be for them. So if I'm the brand and I'm offering, I, I'm using JoraPay, net 60 terms are automatically included. I, 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 the brand, am getting paid in three days and the retailer is paying in 60 days. So it's solving that exact conundrum I opened with of brands getting the money so they can build the product, retailers shipping, getting it to the selling floor, selling the goods, then paying their bill. The third thing JoraPay does has to do with the global environment, but it's about FX and how variable that's been. So a lot of companies struggle with global business because of the FX and having to figure out how to, how to um, translate everything. And Jora does that as well embedded in this solution. So you sort of get these three big wins, embedded payments, net 60 terms, FX in one solution, and you're paying a lot less than you would pay to do each of these things individually. The 130 plus geographies, I mean, that... That, that is such a much more unique characteristic, just given Jure's positioning than maybe a number of other B2B marketplaces where, yeah, they have international, but, but not at that scale. Yeah, we actually transacted in 150 countries this year. Um, you know, as small as Turks and Caicos, we have a B2B transaction, so which I, I vacationed there, so I was excited to see that. But um, it's, it's amazing when um, I go places and I'll see small businesses using JOR. It just warms my heart of just really how uh, de facto this platform has become and embedded in the industry it has become. You're um, in a perfect position to solve these two-sided challenges. Uh, you're already touching both sides. Payments is a you know one of the biggest, if not the biggest kind of value-added services that we see all B2B marketplaces heavily investing in uh, this, this, this B2B buy now, pay later that you talk about, the net 60, love that. And then, yeah, those 150 countries, I mean, that, that is no small feat. You know, what it sounds like is there's really no uh, one, just one-stop shop or, you know, one solution that could give you all of those capabilities. So you had to build some of it yourself. You had to you know, leverage outside partners for some of it, right? Like you had to actually put a few of these things together and and roll it out yourself to actually meet the need that is specific to your buyers and sellers, right? Correct. Being um, with 20 billion in GMV is a lot of interest in people wanting to join George's ecosystem. Um, so we're able to kind of use that, to wield that power wisely <laughs> into convincing people to work together um, for the for the cause of of betterment for the for the industry and the community, so we did that with JoraPay. Um, we did we do it with a couple of things in our ecosystem. We brought in, for example, we were the first to bring in 360 imagery and 3D imagery into the network. This was um, a little bit of luck on this part, I have to admit. I was looking at a 360 imagery product before the pandemic, and I had signed a deal in February of 2020. In my mind, thinking, okay. This is going to take the industry a long time to adopt, but I want to be first. So I'm going to do this partnership. Overnight, by March, it became one of our most popular products because for a couple of reasons, uh, we do it with a company called Orb360, and their machines actually travel to the factory or to the showroom and do the photography of spinning um, imagery. And the minute the photo is taken, it's integrated into JOR. So then you have a digitally Im image that is digitally available within JOR, which means what? 
It means retailers with the permission of the brand can access that image and bring it to their website. So we close that usually painful gap of shipping samples and then shooting the samples and then color touching the samples and somehow emailing the sample. Like we disseminated that whole thing into literally shot, instantly endure, go pull it. Um, it became, again, one of our most popular products and we were first to market with it. And I'll say, I agree that it's a little bit of luck there. I, I, I signed it with this sort of longer term vision and it just took off and we still do it today. I mean, everyone needs a little bit of luck. Uh, so that, I mean, the, yeah. And the imagery is amazing. Uh, I've been checking it out. I mean, I don't have access to your procurement portal, but, uh, it looks pretty awesome. So I'm actually, I'm sure I've seen it on other retailers sites, right? Because that's going all the way through, not just in, in the wholesale buying, but then is this stuff daisy chain or, or maybe not everyone does it, but, but some of the retailers could then actually put that on, on their e-commerce sites too. Exactly what they're doing. So that's, that's the instantaneous moment of it. Again, it's always with the brand's permission. They own the imagery. Uh, so if a brand approves it, a retailer pulls from our site and uses it on their e-com sites. And that's what really, um, you know, breaks down that usually several step process of getting time to site. It really reduces time to site. So then not only do you have a hundred plus ERP connections, but, but then are these, you know, are a number of these retailers also then sucking kind of like product data and, and that stuff from you to then federate into their e-commerce sites as well? Yes, we have 30 pro retailers that do this. So that it is a paid solution at Shore to upgrade to pro. A free retailer, which is generally the small 400,000 boutiques around the world, get a free login and are invited by their brands. They can go in and they can um, just purchase goods and there's no integration required. The upgraded folks like Neiman Marcus, Bergdorf Goodman, Printomp, Selfridges, these, uh, these are the folks who use Jor's pro solution. They go beyond that. They're able to log in. With that login, they're seeing the whole experience in a singular showroom rather than showroom to showroom and can truly assortment plan. I want the best red sweater available right now. Let me see all the red sweaters. So that's what the pro solution offers these guys. And then the data is digitally brought into their systems and fully integrated that they can instantly pull da data without having to wait or get emails with the data. It's just pulled from the platform. That's awesome. Um, is it, you know, in, in terms of that, in, in terms of that uh, retailer lock-in or, you know, just those, that thing, retailer stickiness, let's call it, right? That seems like a major proponent to that, right? As opposed to saying, hey, well, don't, why, why would you need multiple procurement portals, right? Or why would you need multiple places to procure product from if, if you're that merchandiser or that buyer at, at that retailer versus just using Jure entirely, right? So it's, Correct. I mean, you have to bring them the product selection, which, which is one of the core marketplace value props, but then what are these other um, additional hooks and integrations uh, or value-add services like this pro program that really helps to cement that and say, well, yeah, maybe someone else has some, some, you know, one-off thing, but, but then it doesn't really integrate. I don't get the good imagery. So, you know, probably wouldn't even sell as well, even if the product is nice. Right. But because you don't have the merchandisability of all the other things that come with it, 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 it could, it could still do okay, but it, it probably wouldn't perform at the same level 
um, provided from that pro experience. Definitely. And you get it quicker. So time decides everything in this industry, especially in the e-com world. So you can make better decisions because you have more data surrounding your decisions when you're in a platform or ecosystem like Jor. And it's a one-stop shop to pull everything in. So, you know, when you think about how we started on the retailer side, for years, we were just a brand application. And when we first approached Neiman Marcus, which I did six years ago, I went to them and said, hey, I have 200 of your brands already using Jor. Let's go get the other 800 together. And that's what we did. So that's, you know, we're selective in the retailers we have come in. We don't need every retailer to use Jor in a pro capacity. It's more about a network effect. Um, you know, now we have about a 75% market share in luxury. So the majority of the luxury players use Jor. Harrods uses us as well. Um, um, uh, 20, 24 Sevs, which is a company out in Europe, uses us. So we have, again, this 30 Dover Street Market. Dover Street Market uses us. Yep. Right by where I lived in New York. They were across the street. These, yes. this is, these guys are nice. They, you know, they had... Also nice cappuccinos and yeah. fresh orange juice. They had a great experience store at DSM. Yeah, we love those guys. But that's what they see when they see Jor. They know that they do this one integration and they're getting access to the data of all their brands. And to be completely transparent, I don't have every brand. So I'm working on it. For the ones I don't have, we offer a, a free solution where a brand at a minimum can upload their data into Jor so that that retailer can have a holistic picture. And it's a great introduction to Jor for these brands that aren't quite large enough yet to, to invest in a wholesale system. So we don't, we're very, we democratize this experience. We want really to be holistic and to leave no retailer or brand behind. And if you're a, a retailer doing business, you need access to the data of everybody. So we facilitate that. So maybe the procurement happens <clears throat> in the existing channel, but at least then the product data and those things flow. Correct. Which makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, so if if you look at if you look at the the procurement landscape for these retailers, let's say larger retailers, right? Other companies on our ranking are also offering them these centralized capabilities to procure. Maybe not not for the products that you have, but for example, like cosmetics and personal care products, right? What do you see on the on the horizon? Is there is there a consolidation? Is there an expansion into other verticals to say, well, how could we bring more of these things all under one roof for for those kind of mid to large size retailers that do that sell a variety of different things? Is it going deeper? Is it is it both? How, how do you see that future evolution of kind of like yeah, like I guess these yeah these larger retailers and 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 where that's all headed. Yeah, we entered Fashion Home last year for that very reason. Our retailers were asking us for it. Um, we'll always stay discerning. So I'll, be, I'll, I'll say it out loud. You won't see Jor working with Walmart. It's just not on brand and the wonderful company, but just okay. not on brand. All right, we right. have that on, <laughs> on tape. So, you know, it just wouldn't make a lot of sense. I don't think that, you know, Saint Laurent or Kate Spade would appreciate if I suddenly had all these... <laughs> different, you know, Rubbermaid on my great company, but it doesn't make sense on our platform. The area that does make sense that we've been looking into, but it's bought a little bit differently is um, the beauty and perfume space. And you had mentioned beauty. So there, there's an opportunity there because a lot of these guys do carry those products in their stores, whether they're a small business that carries an eclectic assortment or department stores. So, uh, but it's a different business. So I always enter new categories and new countries in a very controlled way. I do it either with an investment partner, with a trade show, with something that gives us a hook 
in so that we're not going in one by one, but I'm going in and starting with a hundred of them, <laughs> right? Because you, you really have to build momentum. It's hard to have one perfume brand on jour and approach the second one and be like, I have one. It's a lot easier if you have a partnership and you have, you know, a hundred of them on and then you approach. So uh, that's how Jorah does it. And that's how we'll do it when we're ready for the beauty space. Just to expand on that, right? So, so what we've seen just in, in, in doing this, uh, you know, this exercise, you look at those uh, cosmetic personal care um, um, uh, kind of marketplaces. They're also catering to retailers, but, but the interesting thing with them is they're actually not only helping you procure from the brand, but they, they actually have kind of, two core transactions, two marketplaces. Uh, a number of them actually started by connecting the, those up and coming kind of cosmetic brands with suppliers, with, with, with like chemical providers and ingredient companies, right? And then they said, oh, well, why don't we help you also connect to, to retailers that are gonna buy your, your cosmetics and distribute your cosmetics to consumers, right? But now, so the retailers are really interested in actually seeing that end to end, actually seeing where are these ingredients, what what chemicals are going into this, right? So that and 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 that the marketplace through its technology and its vetting and and curation, which you're kind of talking about with the curation you do on on who can come onto Jure, similar kind of thing. If now I'm the retailer, I can I can trust uh, that you know. Yes, I love you know my consumers love this personal care product but also that it was made with these ingredients and yada, yada, yada. And then that can flow into the, into that, basically that page on their site um, to sell to consumers. Is that a theme or a trend you're seeing um, in, in your categories? So in our space, it's more about sustainability, right? So you would be more about organic probably, but in, in perfumes, but sustainability is really important. We're a tracking mechanism for sustainability. So we have not gone upstream and um, there's no reason why Jor, other than Focus, couldn't be uh, a materials supply, uh, supplier as well, right? Go upstream and be a marketplace there. As CEO, I think one of the toughest things you do is work on, there's so many opportunities to say yes to, and saying no is probably what my real job is, um, and staying focused. There's just so much opportunity in what we do that we're not planning on going upstream to be a materials marketplace. However, capturing and verifying whether something is sustainable is something that I do see as part of Jor's um, ethos, something we should be doing. And I don't, that's not something we would do alone. There's partnerships we're already exploring of people who are already doing this. And do we utilize that, what they've already built to verify that this brand has met these standards and that these products this brand carries are in fact sustainable? Because when you think about where you're at, and this is one of the main reasons that we're working with Selfridges, They've all made these um, mission statements that they're going to be X percent sustainable by 2026. And then they all looked at each other and said, how are we tracking this? <laughs> like, how are we going to do this and enter JOR, right? So we're able to help them track that X percent of our, of our assortment is meeting the sustainability standards that we have set. So that's definitely something that we are focused on and we see as important. Interesting. I mean, so love the sustainability angle and actually... I mean, it's great that I forget who's talking about this, right? Like uh, a lot of big companies, they make these claims. We're going to do this. Everybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they want to do it, 
but then how do they actually do it? And, and how do they hold themselves accountable um, or actually have a mechanism to execute? So, I mean, on that same theme, you see a lot in the clothing and textile and shoes and space around sustainability. Um, another theme or another marketplace type, not B2B, so veering a little bit off, but just curious to get your opinion on these secondhand clothing marketplaces. I don't think there's necessarily kind of a wholesale or a B2B angle there, but I mean, that also seems to be another area where there's there's a there's a big sustainability component to that. Absolutely. And like Etsy just bought Depop uh you know last summer right around when you were doing your fundraise that that had a big number a little less than 2 billion dollars. I mean, I love I loved that deal. I love that secondhand space. Is that something that you're also pretty bullish on um or not too familiar? I I totally I mean Definitely bullish on secondhand space. I think it absolutely is the number one way that we can be sustainable as a community, for sure. Um, you know, these clothes are worn limited times. They're in great shape and, and give well-loved clothes to the next person at, at a discount. I think it's, it, it democratizes luxury, gets more people into luxury and loving luxury. And now what you're seeing, which I think is exciting, is that it's very supported by the brands themselves. All the top brands have done something in this space you know, their big thing is just about counterfeits. And as long as it's, you know, verified real, they're okay with it now. And a lot of them are even have, you know, are selling it themselves. <laughs> so we're very supportive of it. I don't know that I'll see George directly in that space. Again, I, as an ecosystem, could we someday have a partnership of giving um, brands an opportunity to sell secondhand directly? Maybe. I would never do it myself as enough companies out there, but more of an integration type relationship. But Definitely, right, whether right. George does something or not, bullish on the space for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, some brands, I don't know, it's like maybe they don't have a, a means to execute on it to your point. I mean, I actually think like Adidas, Patagonia, two of the big names. There's others that are equally as big that I've thought are a little lacking in this space. We don't need to go there, but um, it's uh, it's definitely an area that for some of the brands that are out in front on it, it's it's pretty awesome to see. So agree with you there. Agreed. So, okay. We talked about a few things. Yeah, these look interesting. Yeah, that looks interesting, but we have to focus. You, you're the CEO. As you were mentioning, who knows what everyone's calling it, recession, softening, near recession, whatever is in vogue these days. Um, we can, we, it's, it doesn't seem like any, anyone can agree on anything these days, but um, uh, I mean, where is it that you would say is your focus and and kind of uh, priorities to you know to bring your full circle in in a lot of these um, areas you're talking about? Yeah, it's really about empowering brands and retailers to flourish. Um, but the number one thing I see um, going into 23 is about transactional revenue and your pay. It's I believe that the conundrum of needing your money fast on the brand side and needing time to pay on the retail side is the industry's number one problem. And our ability to, to help facilitate the solve for that, I think will enable business to continue more fluidly than, than it has been. So definitely your pay and transactional revenue is our 2023 focus. Transactional revenue. I love the ring of, to that. I'm sure investors love the ring of that too. And I think that's probably, it sounds like you have some plans won't pry, but that certainly is the thing that if you can if you can thread that needle correctly and have it be a win win for both sides, then yes, huge huge unlock, um, 
you know, for, for the value prop, the, the business model and all those things. We agree. And I think it's just the perfect fit that it's not that we're forcing something on an audience. It's what the audience most needs. So product market fit, check. And now it's just about uh, execution, which to me is exciting. So what did I miss, Kristen? Anything, what, anything we should highlight about um, the space or, or other initiatives that, uh, that we didn't get to? No, I just would say if you're a brand or a retailer listening and you haven't made that step to digitize wholesale yet, um, please do so. Also, I think one thing I'd mention is that we did uh, publish an industry trends report last week and wholesale is coming back, guys. So any D2C business that um, is looking for other distribution methods, this is the least expensive. So consider it and, you know, draw could be very helpful there and you embarking on this. If all birds goes to wholesale like they are, I think it really shows that any D2C brand can do that and should be doing that. Don't ever limit your distribution to just one mechanism. If you're wholesale only, do some D2C. Like I, I'm, I'm talking both sides of this now, but really, really vary your distribution. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch of D2C brands that haven't even ventured into wholesale waters. And it's really, there's, there's a digital version of that, which is a marketplace but department stores are marketplaces, guys. They're just physical ones. So don't, don't shut down on that idea either. We're seeing a lot of GMB come through still for our department store friends, um, like we are for the small guys as well. And, and they're investing heavily in e-commerce, right? They, they also are uh, buying for both, right? That, that buying is, is both for Correct. their website and in-store. Correct. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Number two on our top 50 ranking of B2B marketplaces in 2022. Such a such a great honor to have you with us on the show and uh, and we wish you all the best in in 2023 and beyond. Alex, thank you so much and thank you for ranking us number 2. It really is an exciting time here at Joy. Appreciate it.